The following program is paid for by, uh, well, no one. It's a free podcast. Are you ready? Maybe. To rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 47 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we are talking about infomercials. I am Joe Morata, but wait, there's more. Alongside me is Michael Quinn. How you doing? Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, Infomercial time. Ready for four easy payments of zero on this show? Yeah, $9.95. Usually never an even number. No, it's always an odd number, but folks, we are an odd show, and we thank you for being with us here. Uh, If this is your first time around, we are a retro pop culture celebration. Each week is something completely different from the past, and we do have 46 other episodes available. Where, Michael Quinn? In the archives. In the archives, so you can check those out if maybe infomercials doesn't tickle your fancy. Yeah, tickle. It might... (laughs) It might not tickle. Yeah. Sometimes fancies aren't tickled. Just dull. It's no, a, no very tickle. dull. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, so we don't get dull here. I want to remind you guys to please go to at AWM podcast on Twitter. You can follow us there. And if you have a Facebook and you haven't blocked half your family on it yet or something like that and you mm-hmm. still use it, you can join our very friendly Facebook group called Acid Wash Memories. Super friendly. The friendliest. I, I would say it is. Uh, we talk about old crap, Quinn. All the old crap. Uh, we actually have a nickname for that group. Home crap home. That's right. And you can be a part of that. We're just talking about the old stuff there. Join it. Acid Washed Memories on Facebook. And guess what? What? That's it for the particulars. Oh, great. We're ready to get into infomercials. I want to mention here, uh, occasionally I will take suggestions from folks. And over the course of the almost year now that we've been doing the show, there have been some suggestions. And three people suggested that we do infomercials. Justin Dash. Mm Mm-hmm. Our old stalwart from our other show, Dave Van Antwerp. Wow, really? Coming out for this one. Coming out for this one. And Jesse Waite. Okay. There we go. Uh, So infomercials, if you grew up or watched television in the 80s and 90s and even into the 2000s, these were pretty ubiquitous, Michael Quinn. Oh, that ubiquitous is the word for it. I mean, that is. how many times did you see that blue screen and... No CODs. No CODs. <laughs> Call now. Uh, possible shipping and handling costs of four twenty five or yep. something like that. Six to eight weeks it'll take yeah. for it to get to your house. You know, the, you know the whole deal. And it's usually some stupid product. You can have more time to practice your putting with the Putty Putter. The amazing new toilet time golf game that lets you practice your putting on the potty. Usually there's an old lady in black and white, like struggling to do something. And then somehow it's in color. It's a young person. And then it's just so easy. And they have such a great smile about it all and how wonderful this product is. Does the shoulder strap in your car cut into your shoulder? When you travel, is your shoulder strap too tight and annoying? Introducing the Titty Bear. And uh, the word infomercial is uh, obviously a portmanteau. That's French. Shut the fuck up, wee wee. Of information and commercial. I'm right. sure you could figure that out. But uh, I mean, it's essentially a commercial. I don't know why they try to like gussy it up with the information aspect. There is some gussying. Yeah. I would say all commercials contain information. <laughs> it's just, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like just because yours is, is selling long. it like a long form or yeah. like some of these weren't long form though. Some of them were, I would still classify them as infomercial, but they were like the shorter version. Like two minutes or something. Yeah. yeah, I totally know what you mean. The same blue screen, the same gimmicks and all yeah. that. For over 100 years, we've been scrunching and folding toilet paper. 
some intriguing products obviously came through infomercials, some very, very successful ones. We'll talk about them later. But the overall feeling on infomercials is they are very campy. Yes. Silly. Cheap. Mm -hmm. Quinn, would you say cheap? Oh, they're cheap, all right. And that's the funniest part about them. And are they slightly, would you classify them as different than like QVC, for example? Yeah. Here's the thing with like, with QVC and Home Shopping Network, it's a similar vibe. I feel like it's like the big time for infomercials. It's like essentially a channel devoted to infomercials, right? But it's like, usually they're all partnered up with QVC, so it's kind of bullshit, if you ask me. It's like, you got to be real special to get on QVC. Say you have a, you know, you have to get up on the wall, high ceiling, vault right. ceiling. Hey, listen, just walk right up. And I tell you, it's very safe, it's durable, and Carol, it's lightweight. you scaring me. So really, <laughs> see, now it's locked in place, okay? So really, you say, oh God, Harold, are you okay? Actually, I didn't have it locked. But they're definitely memorable, and I think a lot of us grew up uh, watching them either because there was nothing else on, or we were sick and we were up late at night. I mean, when did you typically consume your infomercials, Quinn? I feel like it was like a Saturday in the afternoon, like, <laughs> That's like some spot. weird time, like two in the afternoon, like on just on cable, on any cable channel. Yeah, usually it didn't channel. make the networks because the networks kind of had some stuff to put on. Yeah, they did. But have occasionally, better things. what was interesting is sometimes the networks would put infomercials on like super late. Yes, they like, would. Like three in the morning or something. That's the thing. A lot of my recollection, and folks, we want to know yours. Let us know on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, a lot of my recollection of watching infomercials is, why am I still awake <laughs> that hour <laughs> yeah, of the night yeah, when you're yeah. like a teenager or even Which, a kid? I wonder why do they, is that like a, it's a good hour to sell something kind of thing. Well, that's part of it. Impulse buying and things. But there's also other reasons, which we're going to get into. Because what we do here is we cover the history usually of things and we talk about them. But before we get to that, Quinn, what is a, what is a sale? What is selling? Oh, a sale. Well, a sale is when somebody is trying to get you to buy something. Oh, right? okay. That, that is a Or a sale could also be like something the price is lower, perhaps. Oh, that type of sale, there's right? Two, I feel like in the English language, there's two types of sales. A very right? complicated like, language. Yeah. Yeah. And sales in general, if you put the S at the end of it, is kind of just the act of selling stuff. The act of selling something or the yeah. amount sold, right? You're paying money and then you get something for it. Is that the way this right? works? Yep, okay. exactly. So now that we have that covered, let's talk about commercials really quick. Commercials have existed in some way, shape, or form since there were things to advertise on. So obviously right. before TV, radio. Her, I like radio. Before radio, print media. Yeah, and even before that, like in ancient times, didn't they, haven't they found stuff like trying to sell crap like on the side of a wall? Yeah. Like, you know, like Literally. that far back? Yes. Like billboards or something. Like billboards, there yeah. you go. The bottom line is, as long as somebody has something to sell, they need to reach an audience so they're aware of it and right. hopefully buy it. With whatever means necessary at the time. At the time, right? So commercials obviously entered into television pretty much on the dawn of television, the late 30s when that started being played around with. But I with. feel like that's more of a consequence of having to make the programs, right? Well, absolutely. Like, they would not exist if there was no source of revenue. Exactly right. And most notably, the early predecessor of infomercials would be soap operas, believe it or not. Right. Because really, the way soap operas were designed was the sponsor, typically a soap company. That's why they were called that, like Ivory or somebody, yeah. right? They'd pay for the program. Right. And then as such, in between their program, when the commercial would come out, I'll try Ivory soap, it's good, or whatever, but, but right? But even sometimes in the in the early days, in the 50s, they had like the people in the show selling it. Like they yes, take they a did. break from what they were, or they would do product placement. 
I feel like the Truman Show has that great moment in it where yes. you know, he's he's like he's starting to realize he's like in a TV show, and, his and then wife. suddenly his wife is like, "But don't worry, there get this cocoa or whatever." Yeah. And then he's like, "What the hell? Who, who the hell are you talking, <laughs> who are you talking to? to? Yeah, yeah, who are you talking to? Why don't you let me fix you some of this new mo cocoa drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua, no artificial sweeteners." What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? But that's it. Really, is a parody on that, yeah. Because that's the way it used to be. The soap opera will use that as an example. That was viewed as just like a means to an end, right? It, was like, it could have been any stupid crap as long as we're getting our product advertised. Mm-hmm. And that's still that mentality still prevailed for a very long time. Still does in a lot of ways. However, when we think of infomercials, what we're thinking of here, I'm sure, are those thirty minute cheap cheesy stupid things like we were talking about Mm -hmm. and you might be surprised to know those of you out there that the first true full-length commercial infomercial was in 1949 wow really that early that's much earlier than i would have imagined william bernard also known as papa bernard uh, he appeared on a television station in cleveland in a full-length 30-minute commercial or maybe the first ever infomercial, and the product that he was hawking, the Vitamix Blender, believe it ah, or not. Ah, the Vitamix Blender. Is This This isn't Vita Vita Vitamin from no, Lucy, no, is it? No, the Vita Vita Vitamin, no. Yeah. So tasty, too. But let's take a quick snippet here while we have uh, the time to do so. Let's see what uh, Mr. Bernard here had about the Vitamix. Ladies and gentlemen, in presenting Home Miracles for 1950, I'm going to... Sh- Give you a demonstration of one of the this most feels wonderful so off machines the cuff. that was ever invented. It is. Invented. He was convinced by his machine. family and others to and actually to do this. Like a one-take, on though? Like, not the, not like, oh, we'll take a couple cuts and get it perfect. That I don't know. They probably didn't have a big budget. Because it does seem like we don't have With cuts health. here. Yeah, we're filming this single well. shot. And I'm the first person doing we're this, so I'm going to make mistakes. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. He does have a nice pinstripe suit, You're though. It is good. You can find this on YouTube, folks, if you're interested. But, uh, I mean, he's just a salesman. He's just a salesman. Is The Vitamix Blender, though, a very popular product. Right. But I, I find fair. it interesting that they went the route of like doing it like a salesman and not producing the commercial like a more of a conventional commercial. Well, exactly. We're definitely in the infancy here. This is shot on regular film stock as right. like a short film. Yeah, and they probably and, just... They like, played it on TV. Played it into the television. Correct. Yeah. Back then, you had to actually, like, there was a machine where you could run film and the television camera was hitting the... Kinescope. Yeah, kinescope. You're yeah. absolutely right, Quinn. So anyway, these infomercials in the 40s and 50s and, and even in the 60s, they did not immediately catch on because most adver- advertising was still confined to product placement, like mm-hmm. we mentioned, explicit sponsors, like the Philip Morris Company presents the Flintstones yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. And standard commercials that would just run in the breaks, right? Yeah. So that's where the TV advertising was done. Now, RCA did do a few infomercials in the 1960s for their radios. The filteramic antenna is featured in this X4 model, along with dual speakers that fill the room with the best AM sound ever heard. Huh. <laughs> Which is just funny because I, I, you would think TV. Well, right? I mean, it's st- the thing is, is like, I feel like when the TV came along, there was suddenly a need again to be like, hey, you still need a radio, right? I mean, you still need to listen to the music and all that. 
<laughs> I guess you just you're you're very right because yeah. you figure the people watching it are watching. They already it have on a, TV. a TV. What the hell? Are they, what, are they gonna buy a new TV? That's for? a great. That wasn't point, until Quinn. later when like people were like nowadays it's like wow upgrading your TV is like an aspirational thing. Right. So they always advertise them. Back then, people bought TVs like they would last like twenty years. Oh yeah, they were like refrigerators. Yeah. like they were <laughs> mattresses and, <laughs> and shit. they were and they were marketed that way. Correct. They they were like marketed as as like a long term product, something that. It, like you said, it's like furniture. Yeah, it becomes like an heirloom. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you keep this shit a long time. Uh, but in 1961, our good friends, the FCC, <laughs> they got involved with regulating certain aspects of television content, as they are wont to do, right? They often do this. Mm-hmm. That's what they, their job is. It is their purpose. That's their whole purpose. Uh, mainly in the realm of this. Minimum airtime requirements for public affairs, news, and local programming. Now, this matters because it did not allow people to devote time to bullshit when you had to meet these minimums, Mm -hmm. right? Like local public affairs and news. And then in 1973, commercials per hour were limited to no more than 16 minutes per program. Hmm. If that makes sense. So you have a one hour program. The most amount of commercials you can put in that one hour is 16. But if you have a half an hour, what is it? Eight? It's eight. Yeah, so it's, it's half just like of it. cut in half. Exactly. Which is kind of what led to the 22 minute sitcom mm-hmm. standard, you know, that everyone knows to this mm-hmm. day. But what that means is you can't have a one hour or a half hour program that's a commercial. Right. You essentially could not do infomercials. They were, you were not allowed to during this period of time. Well, you know, I think that's, that's a good thing. You like and, that, huh? Well, it's because what it did is it prevented the networks from like, because if you go by like capitalism, they're just going to keep looking for money over time. If there's no limit on it, they will essentially the imbalance just because of the need for money would get ridiculous. So you'd have your program would be five minutes right. long and there would be another 25 minutes for commercials. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Right. Not that that would ever happen in these United States, but hypothetically, that's literally you know? the natural progression of all like capitalist things. Like yes. if you do not put a hard cap on something, it will get clogged up with the thing that gives you money. You're absolutely like, right. Quinn. You know? you're absolutely right. Now this is interesting. A station out of Tijuana, which is Mexico, obviously right. Uh, Baja California area. They got around this restriction. Restriction. Tijuana is part of the San Diego metropolitan area. They aired a one-hour real estate infomercial in Tijuana, like filmed out of Tijuana, in right? Mexico. In Mexico, in English, which was picked up obviously in the Over neighboring the, San Diego Over the airwaves, yeah. So that's pretty clever. They got around the FCC. I mean, Tijuana is right on the border. Correct. So it... Uh, the Blue I mean, Note I, Club I is totally, there too. Yeah, the Blue Note Club. But I Juanita. mean, in general, like you could do the same thing in Canada too. You could probably just go at the border, broadcast from there. Yeah. So it's just it's just using the borders as a loophole. That's a great point. Yeah. Like if you're up in Montana or yeah. Western, you know, United mm-hmm. States, you can get stuff from. I wonder Canada. how. I wonder how uh, if people ever thought, what if we did it on a boat so we could get the East Coast, right? Well, that was pirate radio, <laughs> yeah, right? That yeah. that same concept. Yeah. We're doing a fucking boat. East, East Coast and the like Midwest <laughs> yeah. coast where you can't get the Canada and it's Mexico. Tr- right. Yeah. You know, you got to get Jersey involved in the Carolinas. Uh, and another exception to this rule were music compilation commercials because, and this is, again, a very clever workaround, they were able to break up the advertising portion of it by playing the clips from the music. Ah. So they would get the commercial minimum down. You know, the advertising part would go, 
get under that threshold so they would just the rest of it would be oh. music and talking about music because technically it's not a commercial correct it's music they're playing music that's some bull I know but I, they, I don't like it it complied with the FCC and this is like KTEL Records we've all probably heard of KTEL Records the mm-hmm. name is probably familiar Blockbuster 20 original hits original stars be sure to get the best from KTEL LP $5.99 tape $6.99 now similar sanctions were also being held for radio during this period of time But in 1981, Reagan administration, the FCC lifted the commercial restriction on radio. Okay. And in June of 1984, still the Reagan administration, right around Mondale, where's the beef era? Yeah. (laughs) This sounds like a Reagan administration change. Well, it does. It does. Pro-capitalism. Yeah. The restrictions were lifted on TV. That paved the way for... More commercials, Quinn. Great. Just what everyone Just wanted. Did that, that's the improvement people wanted to TV. Now, obviously, though, we're, what, 84, so we're 30-plus years in of TV being so, established. Yeah, so I'm wondering if the thought process, even though it was probably more to benefit corporations and shit. No! But even so, <laughs> maybe the thought process was... People are used to shows being like twenty-ish minutes Correct. or whatever, so they're not—they're just going to change the channel if it's all commercial. Yeah, because because then you're doing competition, right? right? So like, if if I do twenty-minute show and ten minutes of commercials, and the next station does twenty-four-minute show and six minutes, now they're going to get more viewers. I have to drop it, so it, it leveled yeah. it all out, you know. Right. But it did pave the way for people to run. Hey, a half-hour commercial, a one-hour commercial, right? Right. And that's what happened. This is what gave way to the modern infomercial which is essentially a half hour show which is a long ass commercial that's all it is it's an advertisement right 10 years later by 1994 approximately 91 percent of all tv stations were airing infomercials really at some point in the day i mean it's easy money it is because it's being paid for. As long as they're not cussing or breaking any <laughs> FCC rules, right, who yeah. cares? You don't, want, like, you don't want cussing. Yeah. Not good. It's probably, it's more expensive, I would imagine, because then a commercial, so they're the networks and the stations are getting more money. Well, yeah, because you're, you're paying for the airtime. It's a right. lot of airtime to be mm-hmm. eating up. Now, there were a few specifics that needed to be adhered to. Any commercial that was over 15 minutes, so that's like almost all infomercials, right? It had to be stated in the beginning and at the end, the following program is a paid advertisement. That which, whole thing, which right? Is something we all got used to. Yep. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. We also knew the following is a paid advertisement. Click. Click. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Unless you're really just in the mood to watch like some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Click. Yeah. yeah 100% agree. Uh, now, let's talk about the airtime because this all plays a part. So what, what have we established so far? It's one giant commercial. Now, normally... Let's say back in the heyday of flipping channels, right? When everyone did. Before TiVo. TiVo. There's no even use that anymore. <laughs> before those DVR yeah. recorders. Yeah. Before, well, I mean DVR in general. I right? know. But before all of that, right? Before you, the YouTubes. Yeah. Right? When people were flipping, right? When you had, you know, 50, 60, 70 channels to flip through. If you're watching a program and a commercial comes on, you might flip to something else, like your secondary choice, right? Yeah, exactly. To, to kill the time. They even built the return button in, so in case you For were like, that. you were like dedicated, <laughs> like it's like I know this is on, and I know this is on, and I'm just like gonna flip back and forth, but. I know that the networks were real weaselly about this shit too. Where, like, for example, if you switched, it would be commercial time on the other thing. Yeah, and you'd that be was like, this, I hated this that. is bullshit. Like, they would like time the commercials perfectly on all of them so they'd all be in sync. So it was a fair competition, right? right so you could not get out of it. <laughs> it's true. But let's say you're watching a show, a program, if you will, and a commercial comes out and you're flipping over, right? Okay, so think about that. If people don't want to watch 
three minutes of commercials, typically they might not want to watch a half hour of commercial, right? right? That's number one. The other thing is, we all know here, especially if you're a listener of the show, prime time is the time, well, right? I mean, these were not getting on that. No. <laughs> Networks were not going to give up their friggin' pro- like seven to ten slots Well, here. it's what they built. All the budget from the commercial profits go to those shows. So they're right. not going to like give you what, you know, the time that they're spending on their prestige <laughs> shows that literally the commercials are paying for. Exactly right. right. The morning is used for news and the happy talk shows like mm-hmm. Regis and Kathy Lee and Today Show yeah, and things, exactly. right? And then you need to have your, your soaps. Mm-hmm. You have to run your soaps. And then you have to run your other bullshit daytime talk shows like yeah. Sally Jesse, right? We've talked about sports. all these. Sport, you need sports. You need yeah. more sports, right? Yeah, you need all the sports. How many fights? Yeah. A lot of fights. I need, uh, I need the fights, okay? So what does that leave us with after 10 p.m.? But what's usually on after 10 p.m.? The news. The news. And then after the news, syndicated television programs. Or Johnny Carson. Or, or Carson or, or Joe Leto. Yeah, or, or whatever. Letterman or Pat Sajak. Perpetual f- friend of the or show. Or Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah, friends <laughs> of the show. If it's 1994 or something. <laughs> 93. 93. Yeah. Pat Sajak, a friend of the show. Shout out to Pat Sajak. Yeah. We'll do your show so, one So day. that's gone. So now we're after 1230, probably, right? Right. But then also now we have to take care of the weird, like, lifestyle programs made by each network, like First Look and all this bullshit. All that other shit. Yeah. Or the Late Late Show. That that occupies your 1 o'clock to 2, maybe 2 a.m. So now you're at the 3 a.m. territory. So now you're at least, like, the best case, you're at, like, 1 or 2, best case, right, On on, on a good day, until 5.30, you know, the 5.30, the 6 slot. That is called your your overnight, Uh and that is the least... Important day Nobody part. Want, nobody's watching. Nobody's fucking watching except people that work maybe a graveyard shift or yeah, like people late. that work at night. Yeah, yeah, or the something. reverse. Yeah. That, that's about it. And that therefore is the cheapest time to advertise on, mm-hmm. and the most likelihood that anyone that is watching has very limited options because no one's putting good programming on at that time back then well, anyway. Before DVR, and they could just or right. YouTube or something, and they it, could just not watch that exactly. And if you grew up during this period of time, or or even more of age during this period of time, you know that your choices were very limited, right? Back then, right? Mm-hmm. So you might be up at three. Maybe you had too much coffee, or maybe you had too much coughing. Yeah, because you're sick get it perhaps yeah it's possible. it could be a bunch of reasons why you're watching this crap or maybe you uh work at a funeral home and you had too much coffins that day oh horrible <laughs> speaking of graveyard shift you know yeah. what i'm saying huh. knock it off okay i'm really done this time anyway they were usually on yes between one or two to the 5 30 to 6 slot and then at 6 a.m like normal programming resumed mm. you're like okay here here's peter jennings or whatever it is right, right. here's somebody i'm familiar with here's yes. a good program here's a person i know yeah From ABC News, this is World News This Morning for Monday, February 3rd, 1992. So let's talk about the infomercial itself here, the characteristics of it. I want to be clear about what this is because it's an interesting thing. Infomercials are a form of direct response marketing. And what that means is, and it's actually a really good business model when it's done well for the business it is, (laughs) Uh, the infomercial is supposed to lead directly to the purchase from the company, meaning not to a store or a website or to any intermediary party. You're cutting out the middleman. Exactly. You're literally calling the company that is advertising Mm -hmm. and you're making a sale. And this is actually good for the company because you can measure the effectiveness of your campaign. Right. 
how many calls did we get after this aired, right? Like Budweiser does commercial, right? Right. But you're going to a store. Yeah, you have to buy it from a middleman. Yeah, and eventually you're going to a store. Not like you're not getting probably not getting up off the couch after you see your tap the Rockies Coors Light commercial and running in the store. Well, nowadays they have more opportunities. For example, like, you know, because of like Uber Eats and GoPuff and you can get alcohol delivered now, like so Budweiser could technically. You could, yeah. You could be, oh, that looks point. really good That's and then you just point, tap though. it on your phone and it comes to your house. Not that anyone would ever get anything GoPuff to the studio. No, nobody would ever No, do that. like Coca-Cola or yeah, anything no, like that. that would never happen. Now, what are you drinking right now, Quinn? A seltzer. Why is that? Because I'm GoPuffing Coca-Cola to the house. <laughs> a little, little peek behind the, yeah, the yeah. curtain here yeah. for you. Anyway, direct response marketing is what it is, okay, for the record here. Now, they're cheaply produced. Sometimes, I feel like once it became ironic, they did that intentionally later, right? Mm-hmm. Like, remember, like, the Snuggy commercials and all that? Like, Oh, yeah, I remember Snuggy. Where we're well into, like, people know what infomercials are. I feel like they keep that camp on purpose by then. Yeah. Do you? So... Initially, it was not on purpose. Initially, it wasn't, but it feels like, honestly, a late 90s thing where they realized, you know what it is? I think they associate that maybe they'll get a reduced price if it looks like this. I think that's great. I never thought of that. I think you're right, Quinn. I think they they think it's like cheaper, but it's probably a decent product because it has the as seen on TV label or something like that, which was like another thing they did to like- Yes, it is. So it's like, it's quality, but it's cheaper. I think it's a great point. I never thought of that. And like, you know, a perfect example of that is, do you remember Bob's Furniture when they, before the like 3D Bob and all that shit, I'm talking about Bob's Furniture when he like, when his commercials looked cheaper and somebody pointed it out to me once and they said, that's on purpose. You told me that. Yeah, because that is, somebody told me that too and then I realized because I was like, there's no way like this national furniture chain can't afford good commercials, right? Like Raymore and Flanagan or something like that. Right, or Hoffman Coos or somebody like that. So like, what's the deal here? And no, it's like a, it's like a specific marketing scheme to like ride the wave so that it looks like Oh, we're a well, small Bob's, town operation. And Bob's furniture is going to be cheaper, right? Yeah. Like, I'll probably get a, a good deal. That's a great point. My Bob's way is to give you innovation. This bedroom is something else. Individually, it's a terrific value at eleven seventy six. But my Bob's way saves you even more. So yeah, these infomercials. I think when they started in the eighties, you got to remember when they started. This is like the mid eighties, right? In earnest here. That was the best that they could do right? in terms of their production values and their, their cheap stock music and all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think you're right. It became an accepted part of the scenery where, no, if you're going to do an infomercial, it has to look like this. Has, there's you know? a way that they look. Right, right. right. It's like, that's the point. That's the point. But there is like exceptions. Like Ronco stuff was like super high production. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about Ronco, but you're right about that. Yeah. Now, the typical, there's a lot of different sales tactics. There's soft sell, which is more psychological, right? There's also a hard sell, which is kind of like a yell and sell approach. You know, Billy Mays being one, which we'll talk about. The bar- the Carnival Barker style, where it's like the people that just don't shut the hell up about what they're doing, right? Well, I mean, okay, here's one that was like that, and it's not technically an infomercial, but it's a style. Yeah. Crazy Eddie. Crazy Eddie, Which yeah. it's not even Eddie. It's just no. like some guy they hired <laughs> yes. to, to say like, come to Crazy Eddie's, it's so good. And then like your shit would like fall down yep. like confetti and like all this crap. Yep, that's exactly right. The yell and sell. Like, yeah. oh, this is the best thing ever. You're going to want that, you know. It's Crazy Eddie's greatest stereo sale ever. Get anything and everything in stereo equipment. Get it all now during Crazy Eddie's greatest stereo sale ever. 
basically you don't give anyone a chance to say no. That's the tactic. Mm-hmm. You just you keep talking until they and buy you it. act so excited about it that yeah. it's like osmosis. It's like now they're excited about it, right? Yep. If Eddie's excited about this these electronics, then <laughs> I'm gonna get really excited about them. Yep. Another format that's not the yell and sell. Uh, and Ron Popeil did this, and a bunch of other people did. Is like the the ho- the expert and the novice format, where the host of it typically, like here's your host Jane Williams, yeah, will be very ignorant and dumb about the product. I hate this version. And then I the hate experts it so like, see, you turn it on, ooh, and and yeah. explains how the I product hate the works. Explain ones <laughs> yeah. because they always there's one right now. It's borderline infomercial (laughs) that I always see where it's like this lady, they're doing it in like an interview format for this window company. And she's like asking this guy questions and she's like, so your, your windows, they're really high quality. Right. And then the other guys there and he's like, yeah, they're the greatest quality. And you know, we're approved by such and such. And like, (laughs) Oh, that's really good. And like, they're just, they're kind of like sitting. Oh, that's really good. Like they're, they're sitting like, she's like a little older. Right. And the window guy is a younger guy and he's kind of like explaining the deal. But like, I don't know why it's like an interview show format, like on (laughs) a fucking window commercial. That's what they used to do. Yeah. It's so dumb. Remember Montel Williams had one. Did he? In like the late or like in the 2000s where it seemed like it was like, oh, he has a new talk show. It's a fucking infomercial. (laughs) This is going to be absolutely the most important appliance, not just in your kitchen, but in America's kitchens. And I guarantee you. Here to help me show you how to prepare healthy and tasty foods and even how to get your kids to eat the vegetables that you know they don't like to eat is celebrity TV host, mother of twins and product expert Forbes Riley. We're all familiar probably with the common sales tactics that became, again, part of the scenery. Like, but wait, there's more. And not sold in stores. The one I, I always remember yeah. is like, alert, alert, that the factory blew up and we only have like seven left all yeah. now. It's like, and, and what's funny about that is it just keeps replaying every time. So like you think like, wow, the factory blows up like every, day, every day. Due to a factory shortage, we only have a limited supply like that yeah. type of shit. It's just yeah. tactics. Right? And, and it's like, this is the last day or there'll be like a countdown clock. Yeah. It's like, there's only seven hours left and it'll be like ticking in the corner of the screen. This offer's only available for a limited time and then yeah. they'll have the, the countdown and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck you, you know it's available whenever you call. And if you look, it's suspiciously always at the same time every time the commercial plays. Right. It's never never not that. You call and they're probably like, what? What do you? What offer? <laughs> like, yeah, Imagine is, if you said like there was a fire at the factory and pe- everyone calling to order to get like reduced price or whatever is like if everyone calls like, oh man, are you guys okay over there? Like, are you going out of business? What's going on here? And the operators like getting paid four dollars an hour. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Do you want to order it or not? Yeah. <laughs> um, the not sold in stores thing. You know, this product is not sold in stores. That to me always felt like a double edged sword, Quinn. Why? Well, because on one hand, it's like, wow, this is so cool. You can't even get this in stores. That's or it's that department stores like Macy's or whatever. They're like, we're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not fucking carrying. carrying this. Yeah. But even so, like Your I, jerky maker or whatever it is, so, you know? So this is like where that as seen on TV label comes through. That's where they are sold in stores. Yeah. Right. So what I noticed is that like in the 90s, it feels like it was like a consortium of these people. Yes. They all had this like as seen on TV, but for some reason that gave it like the weird respectability <laughs> that like you could go to a department store or like a mall or something and like, you know, Macy's or a Penny's and yep. there'd be like a table of this shit. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, wow, I, I thought you could only get it on through the commercial. Well, look how good it is now. It's in stores now. And actually what's what was better about that, honestly, I can see that being a boon is because a lot of the stuff you would see and you'd be like, that would be nice to have, but I don't want the hassle of like calling and all this yeah. shit. 
Okay, and then if it's just sitting in like a Macy's or you know a JC Penney's or whatever, yep, yep. You, you pick it up and you get to feel it in your hands and you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Maybe I will get it. You Absolutely know? right. Yeah. So that actually worked out to be good for them. Uh, and then obviously, sorry, no CODs is like a common catchphrase. Right. But that's I guess from what I looked into, CODs were pretty still common until like the early mid '80s. Right. So the problem was with that is like I think that you had a generation of people that. Maybe CODs were actually like pretty common. Cash on delivery is what that right. means. And so what was happening, I say it was like 15 years before they even stopped mentioning CODs. <laughs> like the entire 90s, yeah, you're they were right. still like making sure like we don't do this anymore. Like we're going to keep telling you we don't do this anymore. You have to pay us first, okay? Yeah. We're not bringing this until you pay yeah. us. Uh, and then the, the whole like three easy payments, four easy payments bit. Mm-hmm. That's just such a cycle. Uh, four easy payments of 1995. They're doing that to make it sound cheaper. Yeah, it's eighty dollars. It yeah, it's like, dude. I, Mitch Hedberg used to have a great joke. I want three easy payments and one really hard payment. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's all stupid. All stupid. So you can have this product for four easy payments of nineteen ninety five. I would like to have a product that was available for three easy payments and one fucking complicated payment. <laughs> we can tell you which payment it is, but one of these payments is going to be a bitch. <laughs> But throughout the 80s and 90s, and we will be talking about this soon, uh, various products were hawked, right? You had your kitchen gadget market, mm-hmm. right? Automotive, like, here, clean your car seat better than ever, or whatever. Yeah. Did your kid throw up? Yeah. This gets rid of it. Or, like, something about your windows. Yeah. It'll make them better. This makes your glass so you can see through it. Yeah. Stupid novelty items, fitness products, <laughs> right? That was always a big one. Oh, fitness like Nordic pro- Track and Nordic all that Nordic Track, Bowflex. Yeah, yeah. Makeup, hair, you know, hair-related stuff. Baldness cures. Remember, yep. remember the hair, like the spray-on hair? The spray, I remember that one. <laughs> that one was stupid. That was really stupid. GLH is not a paint or a cover-up. It's an amazing powder that clings to the tiniest hairs on your head. It actually builds on itself, leaving you with great, great-looking hair. A reading and learning material, like learn Latin, you know, in six weeks. Get rich quick schemes. Mm-hmm. What did, what did, were those even though? Like, if you really think, what like, were they doing? We're gonna teach you how to flip real estate, like dumb shit like that. You know or what like I mean? Like a book or something. Yeah, it was always like, like a book. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was some, some kind of information, like secrets. Yeah, right? secret. They don't want you to know. Or tapes. Or a tape, <laughs> audio cassette tape. Yeah, give it out two cassettes or two CDs. You know that type of thing. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. Basically, if you had crap to sell, an infomercial was a great idea. And we're going to talk more about infomercials, some of the big names and the big products. We're going to do that. But wait, we have to take a break, okay? When we come back, hopefully Quinn's GoPuff will be here. He'll have his Coca-Cola. I don't think it will be. <laughs> we'll be in good shape. But until that time, listen to these commercials or maybe infomercials. And we will see you on the other side of this when more Acid Washed Memories returns. Well, I've been watching you all so night, Diane. Nobody's found a way behind your dip- they never noticed this app gun in your hand Until you're pointing it and stunning the senses All night long, all night long You shoot him now because you're waiting for somebody good to come All night long, but you'll be sleeping with the television on There's a new pet Ch-ch-ch-chia Chia pet, the pottery that grows It's fun and easy Soak your chia, spread the seeds Keep it watered and watch it grow. And now grow a whole collection of fun with Chia Teddy Bears. Puppies, kittens, rams, 
bulls. There's even a Chia tree to keep your pets company. Chia Pets and Trees, the pottery that grows. The Chia Pet and Chia Tree are available at Kmart, Walgreens, Eckerd, and Thrifty. Makes a great gift. There's over 101 uses for OxyClean. Here's some of my favorites. For outdoor cleaning, nothing works better than OxyClean. Use it in a pressure washer to easily power grime off a fence. Or mix it in a bucket and scrub the grunge and buildup off a wooden deck. It's great for cleaning outdoor furniture, like cushions, without damaging the fabric. And it'll put the spring back into your welcome flag. So for all your cleaning needs, look for OxyClean online or in retail stores everywhere. Can I have your attention, please? What's up? I got a big announcement to make. Are we getting new hats? No, we're introducing Fresh Stuff Pitas at Wendy's. Yeah? Now, Wendy's has pitas in four delicious varieties like Garden Ranch Chicken, overflowing with crisp vegetables and big chunks of tender chicken. Really fill them up. Chicken Caesar with shredded Parmesan and two veggie pitas, classic Greek with feta cheese and garden veggie. These are great. Yeah. Come in and try Wendy's new Fresh Stuff Pitas. So the hat thing's not going to happen? No. Turn to more acid washed memories. Hey, welcome back to Acid Wash Memory. You came back. Very We're proud back, of you baby. here. Episode yep. 47, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Uh, update for you. No go puff yet. It's not here. It's, it's not. It's real. <laughs> uh, folks, let us know your GoPuff uh, orders on at AWM Podcast on Twitter. Join our group. Another thing that you can do, we'd really appreciate this, and so would Alyssa Marino, our lovely announcer, uh, would be to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Oh, please. We it would be very nice. We, we would like that. I like to read them. Quinn gets very happy with the reviews. Another thing you can do that would make Quinn happy is uh, follow him on Twitch at SilentQ15. Yeah. And YouTube, Silent Q15. Also on YouTube, Silent Q15. And we have our own Acid Wash Memories uh, YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Uh, you'll get the audio shows there, which is not the most efficient way to listen to them unless you have YouTube Premium or Red or whatever it is. Yeah. Blue. Yeah. And you'll have the commercials. <laughs> yeah, you need the premium. You need the premium. But you can also get Quinn streaming old uh, video games there from time to time. So... Subscribe yeah. to those things. It, it only takes a second. You know? Yeah, it, it's it's real easy, and you just you have a connection to us even on YouTube. Yep, even on YouTube. And again, that's SilentQ15 for Quinn on Twitch and on YouTube if you like streaming, you know, video game streaming, I should say. Mm-hmm. I've been his audio consultant recently, and uh, yes. we've been working those we're things just, out. We were just talking off-air about yes. microphone stuff. Unfortunately, I was not his Coca-Cola consultant for this week. It was. It, it's been a mess. <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much for being with us here for episode 47, and uh, be sure to subscribe if you're not. All right, we were talking about infomercials, Michael Quinn, and mm-hmm. uh, we mentioned that 84, you know, Reagan, was beginning of the second term coming up, uh, this was the year that the FCC deregulated all those restrictions that had been on television advertising. Yes. So in 1985, the year of my birth... That's really when the new boom of infomercials began. The infomercials as we think of them today. Because if you recall earlier in the show, we talked about the Vitamix and a couple of scattered things like KTEL Records and the yeah. Tijuana thing. It wasn't but, kind of like a regular thing. It no, wasn't like a cottage industry. No, it wasn't a cottage industry. It wasn't really until the mid-80s that infomercials as we grew up with really became a thing. So they were relatively new when we were growing up, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And we're going to talk about some of the major players here. Not every major infomercial will be covered, okay? And not every major infomercial entrepreneur will be covered. But there are a few that are definitely worth mentioning. And we are going to start with, we mentioned them earlier, Quinn. 
Ron Popeil. Yes, Ron Popeil. What a man, what a man, what a mighty good what man. What a mighty good man. You can make pasta with the Popeil Automatic Pasta Maker in under three minutes. From scratch? No, no. no. From scratch? From scratch. He was born in 1935, worked with his dad, Sam Popeil, and guess what? His dad was a, a product inventor. He invented the Chopomatic and the Vegomatic. Vegomatic slices a whole potato in one stroke. All these names, it's always Omatic. It, it was I, the 50s, you yeah. know, it's very hip back then. But the Vegomatic, you might know, it slices, it dices. Yeah, that famous one. That one. It's basically a mandolin. But anyway, Rompapil began to tape commercials as a product demonstration. Right, mm-hmm. we're talking pre-FCC lifting and all that. Yeah, just, yeah. He would videotape them, and that led to a boom in sales because now he didn't have to travel everywhere. Here's just my tape. Send the tape over. Send yeah. the tape over. And he founded his own company, Ronco, in 1964. But what if he didn't need the tape? <laughs> exactly. What if there Quinn? was a way? Yep. That it could automatically be beamed to people's televisions. Beamed, Quinn. Yeah. And during the infomercial age, we're talking post '84 now. He was a very, very ubiquitous presence on infomercials. I mean, this guy, here's some of the some of the products that he hawked that you guys are probably familiar with. The Dialomatic. Remember yes. hearing that? Mm-hmm. That was the improvement on the Vegomatic. Dialomatic Mark IV, the all-new appliance that slices, dices, shreds, juliennes, and makes French fries. The pocket fisherman, the smallest fishing pole, remember? It's back. The Popeil Pocket Fisherman. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Like, no offense. <laughs> Why? But it was always it was always advertised like you ever be in a pinch where you you know you're by a lake for some by unknown accident. reason and <laughs> yeah. and like it's like damn I really wish I could fish right now right. Like, you ever it, go to a friend's house and they have a fish tank and yeah. you just want to catch one of them? Or like you ever get stranded in the woods and like you only have your keychain? Like <laughs> the fisherman thing is on there, so you can you know you can fish in the woods. You can fit you just in case you have to survive for like a weekend by yourself. Now, can you get some milk on top of a hill in the woods though? I don't know. We we're not sure they, about you need that, that one. Ron Papillon invention. That's different. Uh, Mister Microphone, remember that one? That was like an FM transmitter. As a microphone, so you can basically hook it up to a radio, and it would come through. This <laughs> Quinn shaking his head at me. Horrible thing. <laughs> Why? It's a great novelty they're, for children. They're very, they're all t- way too novelty based. Hey, this Christmas party is getting a little too quiet. I think it's time we liven it up with my favorite Christmas gift, Mister Microphone. Hey, what's that? Well, you set the dial on your FM radio, and testing, testing. The one that I remember. Yes, the, the one that was actually good was the Ron Popeil rotisserie thing. The Showtime rotisserie. That, that w- shit was maybe the finest infomercial I've ever seen in my life. Now, do you remember the big catchphrase on that one? Set it and forget it. That's right. I think everyone knows that. So the infomercial for it, right? I thought it was like well done because it was presented like it was a cooking show. Yes, with the, the even the way it was shot, right? And the way it was shot, like it's still they still had to say this is paid promotion or whatever before. But a lot of times you catch it like in the middle or something. Yep. So you think you just turned on like like some kind of cooking thing, yes. right? So he's showing you, and like the shit looks good, man. Anybody can do this. I'll put it in my machine and eighteen minutes a pound for a pork loin roast or for a leg of lamb. Or for a roast beef. You'd be like, man, 
I wish I had this for dinner. <laughs> like you, you see the rotisserie chicken. Yep. But the cool thing that it had on it, it had like sort of like a, a stove kind of situation on it had the top. A burner or something, yeah, right? It wasn't a burner. It was like an electric like hot plate kind of oh, thing on the right. top. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you could kind of like steam like peas or something if you put like you know vegetables they basically. sold you yeah I got and, and I was I was always like this is it's like an all in one oven Ron, stove thing you gotta give Ron Popeil and Ronco a lot of credit because he really was good at this uh, he also sold the electric food dehydrator why don't we just take a quick snippet of a Ron Popeil you know circa late 90s sure. infomercial here order them directly from our company you pay $129.95, and believe me, it's well worth it for the work it does. But you all know you're not going to spend $129.95 yeah, for who's, who's it. Gonna right. You're not going to spend $120 oh, or $115, that. Not that no. $110, or even $100. Not no, $90, not $80, and not even $70, not like you may all be thinking. These prices suck. All you spend for this fabulous machine, and I know you can all afford this, is just four easy payments, easy payments. of $14.99. Clapping like, wow, he, <laughs> re- he fucking figured it out. not $60. Now it's only $39. Whoa! Oh, an edit? How many? Or if easier, only two easy payments Whoa. of $19.99. That's actually pretty cheap. That's pretty right. Good. This $130 value for only two now, easy payments. The irony here is... They're the ones setting the price and saying this is $130. Right. But we're giving it to you for, you know, 80 or 60 or 40 or whatever. But why is Maybe it 130? I think they're pulling that price out. They're probably comparing comparable products. Of course they are. And saying like, well, this would, you know, technically be, yeah, you know, it should what, be. It, it should be because like, you know, other food dehydrators cost this much. Right. But see, they're able to do this because they're not. They're not putting it in stores. Yeah, they don't have to go through, you know... There's a lot less overhead here. Or yeah. whoever. Yeah, or Brookstone or something like yeah. that, or Sears. Yeah. A couple of paintings. Or, or Macy's or whatever. A building of some kind. Yeah. Uh, he also did the smokeless ashtray. What? I don't know if that worked or Is not. Is that necessary? I don't think so. Are you bothered by smoke from someone else's cigarette or cigar? Does smoke irritate your eyes? Put an end to this unpleasantness with the amazing new smokeless ashtray by Ronco. He also sold, he did not invent, I want to be very clear here, he did not invent these, but he sold, uh, did infomercials for the Ginsu knives. I'm sure wow, you all know Now, those. that's one that's n- notable, right? Notable. The Ginsu knives. Because it'll cut anything. They Usually, it had some kind of like sushi chef looking dude. <laughs> yeah. like, or like, a, there was always a hat. It was ju- It was definitely like a Japanese influence, like the Ginzo, right? Like, Ginsu, so, yeah. Ginsu, they're trying to say like, in Japan, like, this is the knife. Like, everyone's got these over there, but we're finally bringing it to America, right? We cut our shoes in half with this thing, Yeah, right? So <laughs> It's you- so sharp. Also, what the hell are you cutting that you need, <laughs> like, essentially a fucking samurai sword in a knife form? That was my favorite yeah. part, though, is, like, they'd be like, you want to really cut a fucking tomato? You think you know how to cut yeah. a tomato, but you're an asshole. Like you're, you're, you're fiddling <laughs> through all your knives now. None of them, like, they all cut crappily. They- and, like, but this... <laughs> This, we, you know, we went to a blacksmith in Japan on a mountain, and he made these. Yes. No, he, he crafted them. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you want to see it cut another knife? <laughs> like a blacksmith. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Even finer yeah, than it can cut a knife. <laughs> like a carbon stainless steel blade has incredible... It can cut a quarter. Even with abuse like... Who's cutting a quarter? <laughs> Who's doing that? But then you can still cut a chicken's bone off. Yeah. Which is what it you would actually use it for. Yeah. Even with its 
unique triple it, listen, see, I think what this is, yeah, go ahead. What this is capitalizing on, Joe, mm-hmm. is the idea that a lot of people's knife sets, you know, they get them from, you know, when they get married or like when they move into an apartment, where like we cut our their first apartment or something, like wherever they, like whenever they first lived on their own, right? You're talking so about me? No, like I'm just talking about everyone. Yeah, you're it's right. Like, so generally in that, that in that time period in your life, you're buying a bunch of other shit, right? So you can't spend all the budget on your knives. That's you just, true. You just need enough good enough knives, uh, right? I had to buy like a mattress and a bed and you got to do all that shit too, right? Yes. So what they're banking on is that now it's like five, ten years later, your knives are dull as shit. Like, <laughs> and so and, does your life. And so this Ginsu knife that probably cuts just as good as that knife did when it was new is wow this is what an improvement right like all my knives are dull and they cut like shit but this i really need the maximum cuttage right Right, maximum cuttage i need the maximum cuttage that's an important and so this is the product for me that's a great point it's so cheap because i mean here's the thing right let's say some jerk off watching this at 3 a.m he grabs his kitchen knife out of his butcher block, and he's maybe like, he's making a sandwich for himself, and he wants to cut it in and half. And he gets his he gets his crappy knife out, and he right, damn it, won't work. This sucks. And then he walks over to his TV with his sandwich. A light bulb goes off. Yeah. He sees the Ginzu knife, right? And then the light bulb comes on, and his wife's like, "Can you go the fuck to bed?" Yeah, please. And then he's like, "Wait, I have to try cutting my shoe in half with this knife." <laughs> Wait, I just need to call this before I go to bed because <laughs> if I don't, I'm gonna forget in the morning. Well, that's what they—they they don't want you to forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next morning, you'd be like, "Man, my regular knives are fine. I don't need the Ginzu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you come to your senses. Yeah. Uh, but Ron Popeil, I guess, really did kind of enter the the zeitgeist as as zeitgeisty as you can get in infomercials. But he really did. A lot of people knew who he was and and knew the. Products like the set of them, forget it, and all this other crap. He also inspired, uh, thankfully for us, um, Leo Gallagher with the <laughs> sledgematic. No, is the sledgematic that's, funny. Is, that's definitely a lampoon on Ron Popeil of stuff, right? Of course, it is the vegematic, specifically Ron Popeil stuff. Ron Popeil specifically, yeah. I did not come here tonight to make you laugh. I came here to sell you something. I want you to pay particular attention because the amazing Master Tool Corporation, a subsidiary of Fly By Night Industries, has entrusted who me to show you the handiest and the dandiest kitchen tool you've ever seen. And don't you want to know how it works? Ironically, Leo Gallagher's brother was Ron Gallagher. Yeah, also, Remember the one that like tried to be him or something? That was weird. <laughs> and also, never forget Gallagher invented turtles or whatever. Yeah, he invented he Ninja Turtles. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, but Popeil, <laughs> Rob Popeil was very familiar to a lot of folks. Yeah. he I, He's still, to me, the one I think of the most. I, I, do I, I, I do think the set it and forget it commercial is like an actual you know, an acid wash memory. Like it's one of those it things is. that like, yeah, is like seared into my brain. Cause I yeah. just, it looked so appe- appealing. Like for, in most infomercials look stupid to me. Right. Uh, this is where I really got to give Ron Popeil a lot of credit. His infomercials are the ones that I really didn't mind watching. Yeah. They, they were actually informational. They were actually good. Were, like, cause what I, the one thing, again, I know I keep bringing it up, but the one thing with the Showtime rotisserie I felt like I was watching somebody show me how to cook something, not sell me a rotisserie oven. Right, thing. like it could have been Emeril Lagasse or somebody exactly. doing Exactly, he's right? even wearing an apron and stuff, like he's like doing something. <laughs> not just like a, not, not a three-piece, a cheap three-piece suit, like a salesman, right? <laughs> he's wearing an apron, he yeah. must be legitimate. He doesn't have a, a sport coat on, you notice that? Because he's, like he's, he's in the kitchen. He's cooking. Yeah. yeah, well, if they were selling medicine and the guy was wearing a lab coat, would you be impressed? Yeah. 
I mean, I think he was a doctor. Just double least. checking yeah. here. Anyway, you don't get that lab coat easily. That's a good point. You got to get a doctor for that. Earn your lab coat. Uh, but yeah, Rumble Peel kept going well in the 2000s. He finally, I mean, I, he lived until two years ago, 2021. I feel like the heyday, like post Showtime, I feel like that was like his swan song. Like I never saw much of him after that. You think that was that was his last big hit? Right? They must have made like a lot of money. They, off. they were like, man. you know what? We don't even need to do this anymore. We don't need the omatic, you know, yeah. suffix here Screw anymore. Screw that. <laughs> I'm going to go retire in Florida or Good something. Yeah. But my favorite growing up, and I'm not being facetious here. When I was about five, six years old, I would wake up early, 6, 6.30 a.m. see this. And this is like on the weekends or maybe before I had school. I would wake up and I would go into the, the living room and watch TV. And my favorite infomercial as a kid, I loved it so much, was Amazing Discoveries with Mike Levy. <laughs> I guarantee you today's Amazing Discoveries will astonish you. Coming up next on Amazing Discoveries, we're going to show you an exciting new cleaner that will definitely astonish you. Now, was this an infomercial week or was it yeah. a show? That's <laughs> like, why I, it's, it's so confusing. This that's one. why it is a good point here. So. Yeah. Those of you, maybe if the name is unfamiliar, Mike Levy, perhaps you would know him as the Sweater Man. So <laughs> this was on from 1989 until 1997 or 8. Wow, that deep, huh? Yes. Holy shit. Now, Mike Levy was born in 1948. He had uh, had a career as an electrical engineer, and then he started a dial-a-joke hotline in the 70s. But in 1988, he founded a company that was known as Positive Response Television. And in that company, he began airing infomercials. So he is not a Ron Popeil in the sense that Ron Popeil was like a product inventor. Yeah. Mike Levy would just partner up with people and present it. And I got to tell you, he did a great job. So there was amazing discoveries, like I said. He also had a spinoff in the mid-90s called Ask Mike that he did as like a talk show style. That's funny. The talk shows. I hate I, the talk shows. I, I thought his was amazing, right? That's good. But here, here's one of the things. He's one of the ones that had the studio audience yeah. as if they were there to watch Johnny Carson, right? That's the thing about this. Is like it, it seems like more of a talk show or something. Here's the, We're going to play the intro to an episode, okay? <laughs> it's and, not an intro. It, this is... A show, folks, okay? Yeah. There were over a hundred episodes That's of Amazing Discoveries. They could they could get a first they could get syndication. They get syndication, man. Yeah. Here it is. The following special program, Amazing Discoveries, is a paid advertisement. Right, they have to do that. Yeah. Its entirety by Media Arts International. Okay. In stereo were available. Coming up next on Amazing yeah, Discoveries, like we'll actual... show you how to turn on the human calculator in you. Now here's the so, host of Amazing Discoveries. This comes off. Mike Levy. Yeah, he comes Welcome. In. You to meet a friend of mine who is fondly referred to as the human calculator. You'll see why. Scott Flansburg. What is 497 times uh, 35? What is that? 17,395. Impressive. <laughs> right on the button. Isn't that so, more. you were saying, Quinn, this comes off what? This comes off like an actual talk show or yes, something. Yes. Like, and look at, the, look at the little touches. Like, for example, look, they got the Girl Scouts in the background. Yep. As if, oh, they, you know, the, they took the, a field the, the, show, it, the show is so popular. Yep. Right? That the Girl Scouts wanted to come they and, wanted and, to and, and it's field mixed trip. in with, well, they were like, because that's like, that's like a Price is Right style thing yep. or like, you know what I Wheel mean? Wheel of Fortune yeah, or anything like, like that. Would take that take the a kid's troop yep. or something, but like there's also other audience members. But it's it's just these like little touches, even with the audience, that make it look like a real damn show. And one of the things that Mike Levy did is he would go into the audience and interact 
Right. Like he's on like a daytime talk show. Yeah. He would crack jokes. Like he treated this as if he was hosting a real television program. Yeah, this is not a commercial. Right. But instead of like, you know, Johnny Carson would bring out a guest, mm-hmm. his guest is the the selling part. You right. know what I mean? The product part. So I mean, Mike Levy had a million different products sold on this. None of them are ever as popular probably as any of the Ronco stuff, you know? Yeah. But the most you know what he did have on here? Tony Little. Remember Tony Little? No. The fitness guy from the mid-90s. Like, I'm Tony Little. He had the ponytail. He kind of looked like Chris Jericho. Yes, I know who you're talking about. And he had a hat on. He had a hat on. He had him. He was one of his big guys. The over one and a half million people who have learned some powerful techniques from today's guest certified personal trainer, Tony Little. This was so good because half of the friggin' program, right? There's like budget, like there's yeah. remote shoots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's like, okay, we're going to go, like now in this calculator, we're going to go talk to some teachers. Right, like he's on location. They're like in a library or something. Right. Like, it's weird. Now now you got a lady with big shoulder pads and it, it's like, oh, my daughter did this or whatever. Like these are, these are great because they seem like a real show. Now they seem like a crappy show. Yeah, like a very low budget show. But it at least has the facade of being a television program yeah. or like a talk show. Like the one I'm looking at right now is like some lady is showing off some sewing thing, yeah. but it looks like the today show where they like the set <laughs> yes. is that style where it's like, you know, like sometimes the today show would show off products. Yeah. Like it looks like that. For you. Let's see what he's got to say. You know, I know one thing that we all have in common. What is that, and that Mike? is that we love to receive compliments. Yeah. And you know, probably the first thing someone notices about you when they meet you for the first time and hopefully they compliment you on is what you're wearing. And when you're wearing that when special wearing piece what he's of clothing wearing. that says you the sweater. and someone notices, doesn't that make you feel great? But you know, I love him so he's so good at this isn't he he like, seems he, very earnest that's what I mean yeah, like I, everyone's like yeah this guy's good we like Mike Levy yeah. you know what I mean and then we he cares about us <laughs> and then why don't we also find a ask Mike just for fun okay ask Mike so this was his spinoff infomercial okay this is for the computer tutor ask Mike I remember when this came out too but I didn't like it as much as Amazing Discoveries <laughs> What is this it's intro? It's got budget. This, this like 90s ass intro. Yeah, it's like a talk show. Can this woman really Looks like it was made on PowerPoint. This is uh, called Computer Tutor. For right, so all these computer things. Which was also an industry back then. Like in the early 90s, people were getting computers for the first time to go on the internet. It's true. Excuse me, I'm a little frustrated. You see, I just got this new computer and I thought I'd be able to figure out how to use it by reading the instruction manual. But yeah, I couldn't, but maybe it's just me. So I went back in the store and I bought every book and manual I could find just to make sure I was comedy. Comedy, Josh. Listen to this. Use DOS to select your hard drive. Make sure you have 30 megabytes of contiguous space. Come on. They're all like this. They're written in some foreign language. It's funny that, that that's like common thing now. I know. Like, this is like 30 years ago. 30, 30 years ago. It's like, what is this gobbledygook? 30, 30 megabytes of space. And what does that mean? Hard drive. Hard. What's a hard drive? But the way Mike Levy always played it was he's the, he's the novice. Like yeah. he has no idea how the world works. Yeah. You know it's like, I mean? and, and these products, it's the first time he's seen a computer or keys or sweaters or whatever. Yeah, like, whatever it is. Like, and then Mad TV did a great funny I mean, parody this of this. Looks like a Mad TV segment, even like before. Yeah, Mad, you know what I'm saying. Like it looks like one. So let's check out a quick incredible findings on Mad TV in one second here. The other thing too, while we before we get to the Mad TV, Mike Levy was on like Friends. There was an episode where Joey did like didn't know how to use milk or something. <laughs> 
this ever happened to you? You go to the refrigerator to get a nice glass of milk, but these darn cartons are so fling and clang and hard to open. Well, you said it, Mike. I don't... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Mike Levy was on. He was on sliders, like w- w- television shows. He how crossed it, over. How did he get? So famous, just these he commercials. Was good. Really, it's so funny to me. So here's incredible findings for Mad TV. This is their first season when they were good. And now the it's early Mad TV was actually. It looks exactly like it. David Herman here with the sweater. Michael Bolton from Office yeah. Space. Those of you, <laughs> the shitty. Hey everybody! Why am I excited about today's show? Because we've got a brand new product that everyone tells me is super fantastic. The audience is so actually laughing because they know. Time and they bring know. out our old friend Tony Bright. Yeah, there was this British guy that would be on. John Parkin, I think his name was. Hello, Mike! (laughs) Okay, Tony. Never mind the small talk. like suspenders and a bow tie. Looks insane. Hold on, Mike. First, let me ask you a very important question. Do you like going to the dentist? The dentist? Are you kidding? I hate going to the dentist. Don't you? Uh, (laughs) It's just like a great parody. I mean, that's... (laughs) It's like that. It's so good. So anyway, Mike Levy was one of those real good infomercial guys. It's funny that as a kid, this was something you liked to watch. I loved it. Because it really is like, it's notoriously cheesy. It right? is. Like, it it's, is. It's, it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy, but and, I loved and it. What's funny is people watched this back then, like unironically, like they would just oh, watch yeah. it, like me as a yeah. kid. But they didn't, they didn't know because it, I feel like it wasn't ironic yet. It wasn't like, it ironic. Was just, it was yet. just a thing that was on TV. It was like of its time it and of its budget, presented straight. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Mike Lovey passed away in 2003 from cancer, I believe, Aww. but he was good, man. He was good at it. Uh, we'll talk about a few others here, maybe not in as great detail, but. Remember that fucking power juicer with the guy with the eyebrows, Jay Cordick, the guy with the big white eyebrows, and he's like, yo, fuck you, you need to drink juice. Yeah, I remember him. He's like, I like juice, and you're going to drink this. He's kind of the modern day Jack LaLanne or something. Yes, because Jack LaLanne also had the Jack LaLanne juicer. Right. I think this guy did commercials for Jack LaLanne And the whole point of Jack LaLanne is, look how old he is, but he's so fit, right? Why is he so fit, Quinn? Because he drinks juice. He drinks juice. So did Snoop Dogg. Yep. Gin and juice, though. It's a little... It is it is different. A little different. Laid back. Really not necessary. Anyway, remember... Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to say his fake name first. His colloquial. Remember the question mark guy? Oh, yes. Question mark man. Matthew Definitely. Lesko. Yes, but nobody called him Matthew Lesko. No. They, they called him the... Que- and you know what's the weird part? Is those commercials would come on, but I feel like they were smart in that they weren't incessantly on. They weren't, like, all the time on. And what why I think that's interesting mm-hmm. is because as a kid i literally remember having this conversation i go to school the next time and be like did you guys see that commercial with the guy with the question mark suit <laughs> I like, and, he too. Looked, and he looks like the joker or something yep and like uh, but it would like not be on the next day and i felt like this elusiveness to this was like he was he would just stick in your mind because you and then you'd see it again a couple days later and be like oh there he is the question mark suit man well because this guy's like out of his fucking mind like this is a character I'm Matthew Lesko, and you probably see me on Oprah, Larry King, or Letterman talking about government money programs. Well, my new book shows you 15,000 programs you could use to change your life. You could get a better job, get an education, or start your own business. Essentially, he wore the coat so to get noticed, right? It worked. But what he was selling was actually information. It was more like very educational. What the idea was is essentially the government has all these programs, but nobody knows how to use them. You're selling it now. <laughs> but it's true. This is actually a good idea. 
is what I'm trying to say. Get my new book, you read the programs, I'm writing a novel, open a coffee shop. But he was basically essentially saying, it's like, there's all these programs out there that people don't, don't know because there's about. no internet. Yeah, that's true. It was very early in and the internet. And like, if you may want to start a business, but you think it's like too expensive or yep. something. But no, the government does have stuff to help you, is what he's trying to say. That's really what with. it was. Yeah. yeah. And he was very notable. He was always like wandering around a fountain or something, I feel like, in Washington. Well, a lo- yeah, a lot of it was like he'd be on the steps of like <laughs> the Capitol, con- the right? Capitol or <laughs> like be at Congress. Or, like the idea was like government, me with book. So these three, it's the triangle of information here, right? What, what, can we get that right for everybody? Government, government, question mark, suit man, and and with some book. kind of book, yeah, with a book of some kind, yeah, yeah. So uh, he did a lot of regular commercials, and there were infomercial length ones as well. This one, the reason why I always like the guy is because mm-hmm. I always felt the cause was actually noble. It was trying to like demystify something that was actually confusing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's some bullshit, like a knife or whatever, like a, yeah, just, you can cut your shoe in half. Yeah, but it wasn't like consumery. It was like True. more information-y. You can cut the book in half with the knife. Right. Once you've read it. And then you don't it. get the free Matthew Lesko <laughs> info, free money info. Of, you need to read it first. Yeah. yeah it, it stinks without that info. I want to mention somebody else that maybe you don't associate with infomercials, but I know Quinn, you'll, you'll know this one. Uh, in 1992... During the presidential election, <laughs> a quirky billionaire from Texas decided, you know what? I'm the little guy here. I'm going to just buy infomercial time, essentially, so this to was plead my case. Why? Who so was this the man? is Ross Perot. Yep, H. Ross Perot. And so I've actually like looked back and watched these. Now, on they, YouTube. When they aired, um, they were kind of made fun of. Because it was like kind of, it was a little too direct. A little too rough. A little too on the nose. Like, I look back at these, and these are very interesting. And they're very earnest. They're very earnest. So what he's doing is he's sitting at a desk, and he explains, like, I want to talk to you today about this program that, like, this policy I'd like to implement if I were the president, right? He has a pointer. And he has a pointer, and he, like, literally, like, shows you, like, how this policy would improve something yeah. in, in the United States government. Just this year, we ran up $341 billion in new debt. And as we discussed the other night, that's our legislators and our president trying to buy our vote this year with what used to be our money. We're not that dumb. Now, where does the money come from? It comes from all these places, and we get $1.1 trillion coming in the door. The two major sources are individual income tax and Social Security and Medicare. Corporate income tax is the third. The others are fairly small. And it's actually pretty concise if you watch it. Like, it's not confusing. Yeah, and whether you agreed with his policy or not back then or now or whatever, as if it matters. You see the benefits of the policy. And I think he, I believe, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I want to say you could also see the drawbacks and he would like explain this kind of stuff, like very like education. He was very thorough. Yeah. And it's a very brilliant idea. I mean, after him, people did, and before him, people did use um, infomercial type things for political purposes. This is the kind of thing. And I have to say, I really wish more politicians that this got more popular because to me, this puts in black and white what the policy is, what the aims of it are, and like how how it could be beneficial, what are the drawbacks, and and, I guess sh- so. and should you vote for it, right? I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I'll give you that. And, and it's a shame that it kind of like, I feel like SNL and stuff like made fun of it. But like it became, funny. Yeah, it's goofy. It is funny. It's like, it's like a school teacher in a way, yeah. right? And it's not, it feels like he's talking down to you a little bit. he doesn't bit, mean to be, I don't think. But he doesn't right? mean to be because he's just trying to like explain something so 
naturally he has to talk down to you a little bit. And always yeah, he is talking down to a lot of people because they don't know what the fuck he's talking yeah. about unless he explains I it. I feel like if somebody took that approach today and made YouTube videos and stuff, it could be successful because we, we live in more of an information age where like people do watch videos about like stuff that's educational. On the information superhighway. Yeah, exactly. What I understand. Otherwise known as YouTube. Yeah, the YouTube. Yeah. The YouTube. We got to talk about probably the more, the most notable though uh, in terms of Television infomercial pitchmen, maybe at least the the Ron Popeil of a, a later generation. Sadly, no longer with us as of 2009. But uh, born in 1958, I'm of course talking about the man with the beard in the blue shirt, Billy Mays. Billy Mays. What do you do for stains detergent can leave behind? Well, Maytag and Whirlpool recommend OxyClean. He was one of the real fixtures uh in the later like the later generation of infomercials i feel like the new gen of infomercials he's <laughs> he was he is though he's in uh, the post, next generation post 2000 post mike levy yeah. post popeel yeah you know pp the guys that dominated the 80s and 90s right uh billy mays we know for oxyclean right orange glow yeah kaboom all this thing a lot of different products his biggest thing is that he was very loud yeah. and very excited. For some reason, I always thought his name was Billy Mays Hayes, but that's the guy from that's Major Willie League or whatever. from Major League. Yeah. <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes, yeah. yeah. Um, but Bill, this was Billy Mays Hayes. Billy Mays Hayes. He, uh, you know why he was so loud? You know why he was like that? Because he learned his technique from the old school boardwalk barkers. Like vaudevillian style. In Atlantic City. Right. But I'm talking... Early 80s, like, dirty, fucking horrible Atlantic City. So, what this guy always sounded like to me was a, um, was like an auctioneer. Yeah. Like, that kind it, of thing. It, it, like, the carny auctioneer. Yeah. Barker style. And it a was throwback. Eff- it was effective because I feel like the commercials weren't super long. No, the commercial ones were. He and did he, do He kind of just, like, too. it was very simple stuff. Like, I'm going to put this cleaning product, like, Kaboom or something, and, like, it's dirty, and now it's clean. And, and that's it. And the way he would yell about it convinced you, kind right. of. It right, it seemed good. Like, OxyClean, <laughs> you know what's funny about OxyClean? Yep. Is that that actually became, like, something they started sticking in other cleaning products that were, like, the big boys. Like, they started yes. putting OxyClean in the mix, because it, it actually was a good product. <laughs> like, it wasn't, like, garbage. And they actually would use it as a selling point. Yeah. Like, this has OxyClean in it. Yeah. Right? Well, it was... He was selling the raw OxyClean. Yeah, he was. But then suddenly, like, Clorox would sell some cleaning product that with had... O- that You know, our our product mixed with OxyClean. Yeah, pretty good. He was credited with... I mean, he, he improved sales on everything he touched. To be compl- Like, let's be honest about Billy. Yeah. He really was good at this. He was good. Everyone knew who he was. Now, there's also, to me, the successor guy... What the guy with the tape? It's yeah. Phil Swift. I feel the from Flex Seal. Phil Swift. Yeah, the, yeah. He looks like Vito from The Sopranos. Stop. Like he, <laughs> he does. He looks exactly like him. You guys probably know who he is if you've seen like the Flex Seal or Flex Tape, all that shit. Flex yeah. paste. It's like oh, if, if a pool has a leak, this can Just hold it back. On it. No, but this, apparently it's like made of some stuff or something. It is. No, you think that's that's the successor to Billy Mays in your mind? Well, this guy comes off to me like. Billy Mays, like, a lot. Okay. I was thinking, see, in my mind, Quinn, the other notable guy after Billy Mays, who again passed away in 2009, who really did it differently, was Vince from Sham Wow. Do you remember Remember Vince? Now, this is, his real name is Offer Shlomi, born in 1964. 
Hi, it's Vince with ShamWow. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. It's like a chamois, it's like a towel, it's like a sponge. A regular towel doesn't work wet. This works wet or dry. ShamWow, he had the headset on, he had like the kind of spiky hair, and he also, it almost seemed like he was like intentionally being ironic and sarcastic. Yes. Now this guy did seem fake. He did it on purpose though, because yeah. it stood out. Hi, it's Fitz with Slap Chop. You're going to be in a great mood all day because you're going to be slapping my nuts with the Slap Chop. Now, look, here's my nuts. Now, this guy was very YouTube-y looking to me, yeah. too. Like, I don't know how else to, like, describe very him. Very YouTube-y. Like, yeah. early YouTube. Early YouTube. Like, like, Marty Chang era YouTube. And I don't know if he was, like... Keyboard cat yeah. YouTube. He he seemed like he was being ironic He something. did it on purpose. Yeah. It was 100% like a style. He was a little surreal. Yeah. A little almost, like, bordering on, like, crude... Yes. And you're like, what is this guy? Like, it looked like a YouTube video right. of, like, some crappy thing that somebody made. It turned out that he was actually, like, a comedian first and foremost, mm -hmm. and then he became a pitch man. Uh, he also did, if you're not familiar with him from ShamWow, I'd be surprised if he also did the Slap Chop <laughs> and a few other things. Well, he got, the ShamWow took off. It did. And I remember he got, he got a couple gigs afterwards, but they weren't as good products, and he kind of just, like, faded away after yeah. that. Like, that's really what happened. I, I, I assume, once or twice, too. I assume that this was not really his, like, he didn't, like, he wanted to be a comedian or he something. He was a comedian. Like, yeah, he did not, this is, like, selling shit on the internet or whatever he was doing. Not was, his aspiration. Was not. <laughs> so he did want it. It got popular, and then he probably just used that fame to, like, go do stand-up or something. I don't blame him. Yeah. Uh, so that's some of the pitchmen. There, there are many more. Okay, mm -hmm. and there was even a show known as Pitchmen, starring Billy Mays and Anthony Sullivan. However, there's some other products I just wanted to talk about real quick. I think the Thighmaster is worthy of discussion. Oh, yeah. Suzanne Somers notably sold that. I used to do aerobics till I dropped, then I found Thighmaster. So, yeah, there was Suzanne Somers and Jane Fonda, I feel like, were the other... Jane Fonda did workout stuff, yeah. yeah. It, all this, like, workout. The, the yeah. thigh master specifically, huge but all, product. But uh, the Jane Fonda tapes were huge, huge product as well. Suzanne Summers kind of came along a little later in the nineties, after Christmas Snow. Yeah, once she was, uh, well, after after, she was the sheriff. Is this? Is, this was definitely when she was Carol. Like I think this she was, was this Carol. era. I think she was Carol. She should have done the stairmaster because you know step by step. Sorry. Yeah, that um, would have worked though. But the, you know, when I'm on step by step, I go on the stairmaster. <laughs> Frank. The, another one that was huge um, in regular commercials and infomercials, don't you get it wrong here, folks, was the George Foreman grill. Oh, yeah. Knocks out the fat. Hi, I'm George Foreman, and this is my lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine. Yeah. Remember that? That was a brilliant marketing line. It was good. Because all it is is a glorified hot plate. Yes. Double-sided, clamshell-style hot plate with, like, grill-like divots in it to make it seem like a grill. But this thing was huge. Everyone huge. I knew had one of these My things. mom got yeah. one, and she was like amazed by it. And what was incredible about the George Foreman grill is because it had Foreman on it, right? And he was actually like a notable person that was like a real celebrity, And he right? was doing Meineke by then? I don't remember. But the point is, is that there was like a weird prestige to this grill. It was like a thing that you said Hey, guess what? I got a, I got a forming. Like people, I remember my parents. Like so, my mom they was would, so proud. They would of tell it. their friends yes. about like that they got it, and, and they'd be like, "Ooh, ah, the forming grill." Yeah. like you know, like everyone knew about this thing. It's such a good study in marketing, though, because all it is, like I said, is essentially a double sided hot plate slanted. But weirdly, it had prestige because it knocked out the fat, Quinn. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it was the lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine, if you recall. Which I never liked that they had that lean, mean logo on the product. Yeah, like, like, why what? couldn't it just say Foreman Grill? Like his like, signature? Yeah, that's more 
classy than saying lean meat like there was like a, a like a sticker or like it was like a plastic like and it said the words like etched in it it was awful did you ever hear how hulk hogan was like hey that was supposed to be me but yeah like- but hulk hogan says a lot of things like he was supposed to be a metallica or whatever so i was um after i turned down the metallica gig my agent called me and said hey hulkster how's about you put your name on this big old waffle maker type thing and um that went on to be the George Foreman grill because I was actually not home when he called. So uh, it was just a voice message he left me, but my machine wasn't working right. So by the time I got the message, it was too late. And George Foreman, the boxer, he uh, he did the uh, did the grill instead. It's true. Uh, we talked a little bit about fitness, like the bow flex and the total gym and all that. Remember total gym? Chuck Norris? Yeah. He did a lot of those, remember? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Chuck Norris, and this is good. I didn't think Chuck Norris was a good salesman. He doesn't need to sell things. Yeah, exactly. You know what He's I'm saying? He's above that, so I just didn't like to see him go to that level. They they, they need to sell him yeah, is what exactly. needs to happen. Anyway, the Snuggie we talked about, that was an infomercial. And the Snuggie did it in the, um, we're going to make this look cheap. Yes, because this is... 2000s, but did you have a Snuggie? I definitely had one. Did you like your Snuggie? Someone got it for me because I, I I think I would like kind of oh, goof, goof on the commercial, so someone bought it for me to kind of wait a make another goof back. Was it me? No, it was somebody else. It wasn't me. It was one of our friends. Yeah, I was involved though. I knew you, you that might it was have helped. You might have helped them. I think like, I was involved. You in You might the have process. helped them because I I think I was I was making fun of the commercial, and then you somebody were. was like, "Hey, get him a Snuggie because he because he hates the commercial." Yeah, and we did. Yeah. Uh, the Magic Bullet, remember that? Oh, Magic God, Bullet. everyone had that. The infomercial, yeah, yeah, everyone had that. And then two that were by the same company, got to mention both of these. They were infomercial products, and then they were short form. The Clapper. Yeah. And Chia. Very notable. Ubiquitous, both of them. You know what's amazing about the Chia Pet? There is no reason why anybody would ever purchase that. It's stupid. Right, you're right. At least the clapper, you can see some of the It has a, a utility, reason, right? The clapper does, but right. the Chia Pet, it's nothing. <laughs> it's stupid, in fact. But yet, this thing sold <laughs> like crazy because of that Chia. Like it's the, the that, jingle. Yeah, the jingle. And it looks cool in the time lapse that they do, you know, where they show it growing. The time lapse looks cool, but when you have one, it takes fucking forever. Did you have one? I never had one. I think we had one. It didn't work, did I wanted it? the head. The one that I remember the head because it looked funny. Yeah, the head. Yeah, they had like celebrity ones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I remember they would do all sorts of them. Chia lamb. Yeah, it was like a big fucking deal. Like, look, became, we got a lamb. It became like a meme in like pre meme times. Pre meme. Yeah. yeah. Before yeah. Uh, Richard Dawkins invented memes or whatever it was. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to, to to wind it down here, if you will, uh, within I'd say Michael Quinn, ten years, the last 10, 15 years. You know, infomercials still exist, but I feel like they're not, at least this last decade, they're not at the level they once were. Now it's just all YouTube commercials yeah. and they suck. It's YouTube. It's internet ads. It's pop-up ads. It's, it's listen. You okay. can make an infomercial now and just make it a YouTube video. Yeah, because who's going to sit and watch? I guess there's a, a demo for this, but they're old. Uh, no offense, but I'm serious. Mm-hmm. It must be older people. Who else is going to sit and watch a 30-minute infomercial? Well, if you look on, like, CNN or, like, news programs and stuff like that, they still have those commercials. But who's watching them is what I mean. I'm not saying they don't have them. Who's wa- it's well, you're watching? It's got to be... Well, think about um, during a presidential election. 
Those, yeah, thing, yeah, those, yeah, those yeah. stupid ads are running all over the place because CNN always uses them or, or, or MSNBC or whoever. But I'm just mean there's no 30-minute infomercials for frog tape anymore or things like that, products like that, are there? There's definitely infomercials for the um, the flex tape. Yeah, I also, guess you're Also, right. mesothelioma. Yeah, right? that. Get the free book. It's a big deal. It's like they never shut up about the book, and that's very much more informational. Life alert and all those yeah. things, yeah. But it's an older demo, I think, yeah. uh, because now we consume our, our entertainment differently. Even if you still watch TV, you're probably not going to watch a 30-minute infomercial. But you know what I do want to know? Do any of you out there still watch infomercials when they come on? Because I haven't in a long, long time. Long form, no, but I I've definitely seen commercials oh, yeah. that are infomercials. The infom- like, like the blue screen, no it's COD like, ones, it's like right? like a minute and a half or something. Sure, definitely. I'm talking about... Your Ron Popeil style, your uh, Billy Mays old school style, your Amazing Discovery style, yeah, the expert and the idiot style. The long form infomercial might be dead. It might be, and that's sad because they're part of our childhood, man. Yeah, and they were funny and stupid and horrible, and I <laughs> loved them. You know what I mean? There was a charm to their there, stupidness. There really was. Hopefully, there's a charm to ours also. Uh, but I would say that as corny and cheesy and stupid as they were, Quinn, they were, in fact, an acid-washed memory. Absolutely. And folks, we want to hear your stories about infomercials. Did you buy anything from any of these? Did you like them? What was your favorite? Was a Ron Popeil? Were you a Billy Mays guy? Maybe a Mike Levy superstar? Let us know on Twitter at AWM Podcast. Join our Facebook group and be sure to leave us a review. We really would like that. But I guess with all of that said, there is no more. That's it. That'll do it now. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week for something completely different until that time. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time for more Acid Washed Memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Yeah.